help stimulate the middle class with music. Stop pressing CDs. What is the reason people don't hit publish? Fear. Consistent quality content. Hey guys, Vance and I want to answer your questions. Hit us up on Twitter at Vance Fight and at Tom Dupree the Third, and use the hashtag Music Stuff Show. Whether it's an idea for an episode or you just want a quick reply, we want to help. Welcome to the Music Stuff Show, where we break down the business of music to help you build a career doing what you love. Hello, <laughs> man! Trying a new multi-camera setup. And Tom is getting I don't fancy. Know well, so last week we did this, the remote thing. You're in Atlanta this week. I'm, I'm in Nashville. Coming in live from Atlanta, where the right? players play. So, <laughs> and we ride on them things like every day. And at Big the end of... streets. See gangsters rolling. Yep, there you go. <laughs> at the end of uh, editing last week's episode, we realized that we needed to make some adjustments if we're going to continue to do the remote thing. So this week... I'm trying a camera like we normally do, still talking in advance, but with a camera on me like normal. So we'll see if how it translates. I don't know. The world, it's all a gigantic experiment. The internet is our oyster. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, we're doing the thing, making it happen. So how's ATL? You know, it uh, it's real good so far. Uh, was in a grappling tournament last night. So nice. that was fun. Got first place. So that was pretty cool. Even better. Congratulations. <laughs> fun fact for <laughs> when we're not busy talking about space or music, also dabble in the martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> I do not. I'm just a regular old guy. Mm. You're not, not a regular. Martial. <laughs> So you got a fact for me? Uh, bro, you know. And uh hit me. I will say I while I could talk about space forever, I think it's it's time to land the ship on space and move into different categories. So as our This isn't I see even did there. This isn't even a, a crazy one, but a a parting farewell, at least for now, until the future of space facts. Still do it. <laughs> did you know? <laughs> The sunset on Mars appears blue. I did not know that. I finally got one. I'm done. No more space facts. No more space I have facts. known an inordinate amount of space facts compared to the other categories of facts that we've discussed you on really the show. You really have, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a space nerd. I mean, I can't help it. I appreciate that. Uh, I don't even think it's been intentional. I, I've started to realize that I only keep friends that are also space nerds. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not upset about it. I Again, not intentional. It's never like a preliminary question when we're deciding if we're going to be friends. But uh, the more I hang out with my friends, I find that we're all just <laughs> low-key, like, wannabe astrophysicists that know nothing. Dude, oh, same. If I, if, if I liked science and math enough in school to have become like an astronaut or do what Elon Musk is doing and engineer rockets and stuff. I totally would have done that. I just yeah. didn't want to sit through Calc 2. Yeah. <laughs> it. I was thinking about this too. Uh, also has nothing to do with anything, but I really want there to be. Is there a, a crazy docu-series about space? If you're listening and you know of something, like I want a, a planet Earth, but about 
space. Oh, yeah. So if anybody's well, got something like just crazy visual, awesome. There's Cosmos uh, that Neil deGrasse Tyson hosts. And I think it's a, it's a, or no, Star Talk, I think is the YouTube show and podcast. But then there's Cosmos, which is like a documentary sort of like Planet Earth. Carl Sagan used to do it, and now Neil Tyson does it. Going to the top of my watch list tonight. Yeah. Check that out. If you have more cool space documentaries I should be watching, feel free to send those in. Yeah. The Music Space Stuff Show. The, the Music Space Stuff Show. <laughs> the, space, the Space Music Stuff. I don't know. I'm going to mm. stop. <laughs> well, uh, if you tuned in last week, we are doing the entry course into who's who of music. Uh, last yes, week was part one, which was predominantly industry-based and music creator uh, and the different kinds of titles you can have in the process of creating music. Uh, this week, we are doing a part two in this series and focusing on all the people when you go tour or play shows or just get out there with... Uh, an instrument and a dream and get on stage for the first time. We want to make sure that uh, when someone tells you to go check in with front of house or your LD or, you know, the MD <laughs> or any of these other people that you don't look at them with a blank stare and not have a clue what's going on. So we just want you to be prepared for when you're stepping out to your exactly first right. shows. Yeah. So without further ado, uh, who's number one? Number one, we have a promoter. promoter. Tom, what's a promoter? A promoter. A promoter is the person, <clears throat> excuse me, is the person who is in charge of the show at any given location. They are the person who coordinates uh, paying for the talent. They they communicate with the booking agent to get people scheduled. They coordinate with getting those bands and acts paid for. They coordinate giving the check to the tour manager, which we'll get to, or band on the night, the night of the show so that the band actually gets paid in full. And then they also are in charge of promoting the show, as their job description would indicate. They're the person who has to make sure that the entire thing makes financial sense. So not only are they in charge of getting the show together, they're also in charge of ensuring that enough tickets are sold to cover the cost of having that talent there for the show in the first place. So they are, you could sort of think of them as like a one day small business owner. Like that concert is their small business and the actual business takes place on one day, but the effort put into it is allocated out for several months in advance, usually to make it all come together. Yeah. Like Tom said to not that I like using the, uh, the word in the definition, but it's the person who's responsible for promoting the show and making sure that bodies get to the show so that everybody has a successful night. I think, uh, yeah, a couple things with that just to, uh, be aware of. I think a lot of times, especially, you know, in hip hop or EDM, uh, that person might actually be more affiliated with the club itself. Uh, mm. so they might actually be facilitating a particular party or event or show that they are, 
they are the ones kind of facilitating trying to bring in a big act uh, because they want to fill out that club that they work with or for. Uh, so they have a vested interest and want to be successful. Uh, you always want a promoter that has a vested interest because you want them for it to be successful. I think uh, if you're still a day one person listening to our show and you've never played a show before, uh, it's also wise to be wary. I think some small clubs, uh, I don't even, you might be able to help me with with the best way to describe this. Uh, Sometimes when you are a new band and you don't necessarily have a following, you've never really played shows, there are quote-unquote promoters that put together shows that are pay-to-play in the small club scene. So someone claims Mm -hmm. to be a promoter, and then they bring in about eight different young indie bands that have never played a show before. And it's through the guise of, I'm promoting this show, but really they just bring like stack the bill so that there's so many people on the bill that there's bound to be someone and then they say mm-hmm. each band has to sell x amount of tickets and we'll give you one dollar for each ticket that you sell as long as you sell x amount of tickets <laughs> yeah it's a it's a racket they're hedging their somebody in that position is hedging their bets so they make money regardless and take zero risk um yeah. if, if you have eight bands on a pay-to-play bill and every band has to play pay a hundred dollars to play and that person is guaranteed to make a hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars uh gross at least throughout the course of the night and then if every band is required to sell ten tickets at ten dollars a piece then every band is you know required to contribute an additional one hundred dollars and if you get a dollar back per ticket that means the band only makes ten dollars and that other <laughs> the promoter Nets 90 off of tickets. It's a racket. Don't, I mean, it's a racket. It used to be a thing. It used to be something that honestly I wouldn't even fight against because it was how the world worked uh, on Sunset Strip. And I don't know if it ever came to Nashville or not, but in the really big music areas. Yeah, it's, it it was a thing that you kind of had to do, but now it's, it's not a necessity. Um, I think it's a, it's a racket. Somebody's hedging their bets and guaranteeing an income for themselves and they're preying on the idea that you are, starry-eyed enough to think that if you play for exposure it will pan out for you and it just doesn't i mean yeah try paying your dentist and exposure next time you go see him and see how that goes for you it it bothers me just because it's slimy it bothers me i think i'd be less bothered if it was if there had ever been one that was a brand that was actually a promoter that brought out people that uh that's the difference, yeah. They But they take the title of promoter so you feel like it's going to be a solid show and then they don't actually do anything other than stack stuff in their favor and they don't really have anything to lose because the numbers work in their favor and yeah, yeah. I just wanted to note them because if you're starting out, I would encourage you to be wary of those kinds of things if you're starting I wanna, out. I want to I wanna point out there is a difference between a promoter and a bar owner or a club owner. Yes. Uh, now, oftentimes bar owners or club owners will refer to themselves as promoters or the people working at that venue will refer to them as the promoter. However, if they aren't putting the show together, buying the show, and then selling the show to ticket purchasers, they're not promoting shit and they're not promoters. Mm-hmm. A promoter, by definition, is buying the show 
and then selling the show to the audience. And then they are ensuring that that audience shows up for the show. That's a promoter's job. Anybody who doesn't do that is a club owner. And mm -hmm. there's a very big difference there. So if you're a band and you are starting out and you're putting a show together and you call, you know, Rudy's Tavern, you say, hey, we want to put a show together on March 16th and we've got three bands lined up and they say, okay, cool. How many people can you bring? And you say, uh, you know, we can each bring 25 people. That's 75 people. Okay, cool. Well, you get X amount of the door and X amount of the bar and whatever. And that's all works. That all works out great. Cool. That guy is not the promoter. Mm -hmm. I don't care what he says. You're the promoter in that case because you're the person who put the show together. You're the person who scheduled the other bands. You're the person who's selling tickets. Yep. You're the promoter, not him. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. Just things to be wary of when you're starting out. Yeah. 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 Moving on. The tour manager, also known as TM. TM, yes. An important abbreviation. If ever, anybody ever asks, who's your TM, or let me talk to your TM, or any variation thereof, that's who they're talking about, your tour manager. Excuse me. Your tour manager is your, like, spear, the tip of your spear on the road. Uh, it is, he or she is the person who kind of runs all of the organizational aspects of your tour from the very bottom to the very top. I mean, they are the person, depending on your level, when you get to the highest level, a tour manager is a TM slash personal manager for the band or primary artist. And that tour manager will be very hands-on with that artist. As you get a little bit lower down the totem pole, all the way down to the bottom, the tour manager's job usually will include more and more stuff. It's ironic. The lower you are on the totem pole, the more a TM ends up having to do. And when, when you get on the highest level, kind of the least amount they have to worry about, all they have to worry about is, is their artist and or band happy and taken care of and where, they're, where they need to be at any given time. But when you get lower down, a TM can also be your primary crew member, can be your front of house engineer, can be your monitor engineer. They can do a whole slew of different things, but... The TM's job title is basically to make sure that your tour is routed, that you show up on time, that you load in on time, you play your show on time. They're the person who goes and collects your check for you. They're the person who books your hotel rooms. They book your flights. They make sure that everything, like a TM is, a th the tour manager is a thankless job. I, it is not a job I would want, but if you can find a good one, they're worth their weight in gold because it takes a very specific person to be an effective tour manager. And the ones who are good at it are damn good at it. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, you know, if you like the business version title, they're essentially an operations manager. They, yeah, they handle that. If you want a different approach, I always like to look at them as the mom or dad of the tour where yep. they're the one with the answer to every question because they are the mm -hmm. one managing all of the details and, you know, you have the bigger it gets, the more people that are involved. You know, if it, it's you mm -hmm. in your first shows and you're at a club, there's probably not a tour manager because it's you as your own band reaching out to the club owner and, you know, just emailing back and forth doing it. But the bigger you get, the more people that yeah. get involved, you start having a crew of people, your front of house monitors, lighting, all of the other stuff that starts to come along. 
it essentially becomes the point person that manages all the people on your team and they are the ones that are connecting with the other teams as you're going to different cities and the in-house people that you need to deal with you know they're the ones that are communicating with the promoter of a show they're the ones that are communicating with the you know in-house production manager of a specific venue uh and just all of the logistics and all all the details that the creative folk on stage don't like to think about that's who's yep. handling that. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> After that, underneath them comes the production manager. Also known as your PM. Yep. Not the time so, of day. Right. Uh, production manager generally is not going to show up until you get to a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. Because the production manager's job is to oversee what happens on stage. Their job is to coordinate, like, how many 18-wheelers do you need? How many speakers do you need? How much lighting truss do you need? How many cans do you need? How many moving lights do you need? Like, or movers, as they're called. Like, you, there are all the things that take place on that stage, all of the rigging, all of the local crew all of that stuff that it takes to build the stage and break the stage down and put on the concert lighting and audio. That's the production manager's job. Yeah. They, uh, essentially all of the people that we're going to talk about in just a second, they, uh, are the point person. So if the tour manager is the point person for everything, the like top hierarchy of your, personal team for your band managing all the details they're the person that specifically is doing that for all of the things that are technical they're the person Mm -hmm. that your sound guy goes to they're the person that your lighting guy goes to that is managing uh making sure all of those details go together all the crazy minutia that you don't think about until you get there because you know if you're in a huge band, you're traveling, you know, with all these trailers and crazy rig, you think, oh, well, it's Taylor Swift. And so her set is just her set. But it's not because, you know, you might be playing stadiums every single night. But, you know, maybe the stadium has a roof and this roof is at 60 feet, you know, and part of your set goes to 75. So now they have to make sure that everything is going to actually be able to fit into the space that you're moving into. Mm -hmm. Okay, so next week you might be in a slightly smaller venue or bigger. And so they're the ones that, even though outwardly or on the photos or on the videos you see on Instagram, you're like, oh, it's the same thing every time when they're on this tour. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're the ones that have to look at all the like crazy little details uh, from just the production side and make sure that their team underneath them has and is equipped to do their job in every space that they walk into. That's right. After them, stage manager. Stage manager. Why don't you take this one, Mr. Uh, AV? You know, so what's funny is that, again, I really don't like uh, defining things in (laughs) with the name, but what I do Mm -hmm. love, aside from the abbreviations, most things on the tech side are pretty just like cut and dry in their title. So, yeah, you know, if you have an event going on, you're playing a show, uh, they're literally the person that is behind stage or on the side of the stage hanging out, making sure 
that whatever is supposed to be on stage in this moment is on and whatever is not is not. <laughs> so that's basically it. They are a wrangler, you know? Yeah. Okay. So the sh- doors are supposed to open at six 30. They're making sure the stage is clear and everybody's off so that people can walk into a clean, open experience uh, mm-hmm. that nothing's happening before the show, you know? And then if you're going on at seven Oh five at six fifty five, they're letting you know you're 10 minutes out. They're making sure you're standing on this, like your band is standing there at seven so that when your intro music starts going and your lights go down, that you are walking on stage ready to play at seven. Yep. They are making sure that you're off stage and, you know, yelling at all the people behind stage when you're in between bands to make sure like, cool, get this first drum kit off so that we can get the second band drum kit on and make sure all their stuff is ready to go. We're doing line checks. If you don't know what a line check is. Before a show, you have a sound check where people make sure all of the audio sounds good in a venue. You know, all of the band members play their instruments. They play through parts of a song. Uh, But you do that before anybody ever walks in the building. But even after that, when you're switching bands, every single uh, band, once you reset in between bands, so like you had your first band, now your second band's coming out, they have to make sure that nothing got messed up in between, you know, because all of these moving parts... So they'll literally go up and strum on every instrument, hit every single mic to make sure they're still getting signal from that. Uh, but yeah, essentially they are just making sure that whatever's supposed to be happening on stage is happening. They're making sure people that are about to be on stage, if you've got a host, you know, and you know, let's say they're a local radio person and people are talking to them because they want to be friends and they're off out and about socializing, you're the one that is like, okay, this is the last song of this band and they need to be on stage as soon as this song is over. So you're physically walking over wherever they are, removing them from the conversation that they're in and dragging them to the stage to make sure that they're ready to go. Yep. That's it. I have nothing to add. Yeah, I mean, that that literally, that is what they do. Uh, after that, we have front of house. Uh, which was... It is never verbally said FOH. Uh, it is often printed on anything digital That's or right. visual or email that you have. You will see the letters FOH, mm. and that stands for front of house, which That's right. is both a location and a person. When it is a, yes. a location, it is the area, if you see the crazy huge soundboards, lighting boards that are out in the middle of the crowd uh, where people are controlling things in the middle of a show that maybe you don't know what all those crazy lights and knobs do, that area is referred to as front of house. But the person running audio for a show is also front of house, can also be the sound guy. They're the front of house engineer is really what they are, and people abbreviate it as front of house. Absolutely so, right. Yeah. Um and they are a mixing engineer. Uh, your, I'm going to kind of incorporate the sec, this next one into it as well. Mm-hmm. Your lighting director lives at front of house too. And the term to say somebody lives somewhere is yeah. something that gets used a lot on the road. So uh, like if you have a roll of gaff tape, where does it live? That's the place that it always gets returned to so that mm-hmm. you always know where to find it. Yep. So... Your LD, your lighting director, and your front of house engineer 
both live at front of house, which is, as you said, is the area in the crowd usually has a tent over it in case it rains. And if you've never noticed it, next time you go to a concert, look for it and you won't be able to unsee it from now on. And, and a little fun fact, it is the best place to sit for a concert. It's directly the best place in front of front of house. <laughs> yes. If you are an audio nerd and you want to hear the best that it can sound, sit right in front of front of house because you are hearing what the front of house mix engineer hears. I will also throw in, because uh, it wasn't originally on the list, but I just thought about it. Uh, like we talked about last week, uh, and there is a producer that's driving the ship when you're making music in a studio and recording. There is There can, mm-hmm. especially depending on the level of show that you're at, have a producer for a show. This is particularly often when, uh, if you're doing events that are different things like you might not have it if you are on a tour with three other bands and your four bands all know each other. Maybe you have relatively similar crews. You might not have this person. But if a random company is throwing an event and they hired your band, they hired this other band, they hired a third other band, uh, there is going to be a person that represents them that is overseeing the show, uh, calling the shots that will also live at front of house. They're usually staring at a ton of sheets of paper that literally to the minute, (laughs) or maybe there's a digital version now uh, that they're doing on an app, but they literally have pages to the minute of every single thing that's happening that says band one is playing this song at 7.05. That song is three minutes and 34 seconds, which means that they have... 25 seconds to talk in between songs and then they need to start their second song at this time. Uh, but they essentially can quarterback the show. Could also be yeah. the tour manager that's just kind of overseeing that is probably a little less programmed if it's more of just a tour with you and some other bands that you know. Uh, just kind of depends on the kind of event that that can be. But that person mm-hmm. can also be at that level and they would live at front of house. That's yeah. right. I mean, so, we said lighting we, director. <laughs> yeah, before we move forward, uh, just another note on lighting director. Your lighting director or LD is also usually going to be the person who designs the light show for your show if you are at a level where you're taking your own lighting rig with you. Uh, they're the person controlling all the lights during the show. So if you're a mid-level band and you're just going to close with existing lighting, they're going to kind of know what they're working with and they're going to use what's available to them at the uh, venue. But if you carry out what's called a lighting package, then you have all of your own lighting the same every night and that person's going to design how that show works, what the visual portion of your show looks like for your audience. Yes, absolutely. All the lasers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh I guess to be fair, we didn't put this on here either, but another group of people, depending on all of this, like Tom has said, scales to the level of show. So the bigger the show, the more stuff you are bringing with you. Uh, right. Very similar to the LD can be a VD, uh, a video director. Now they don't always... <laughs> Not the other VD. <laughs> I was, I was going to let it slide, but... Uh... <laughs> Not me, dude. <laughs> they they might not always be at front of house. Sometimes 
I've, I've seen plenty of tours where those people can live behind the stage and you never actually see yeah. their 1400 TVs going and watching all the camera angles. Uh, but again, really pretty similar, pretty straightforward, but they are essentially the person in charge of all things video. So if you've got huge screens going on that mm-hmm. are cutting between, oh, there's a camera on the singer, there's a camera on the drummer, there's a camera on the right. guitarist, bassist, keyboardist, uh, they are directing the people holding cameras on stage or holding cameras out in the audience. Uh, they all have headsets and it literally is a person sitting in front of just an ocean of TVs, looking at everything that's an option visually being like, okay, camera two, I need a close up shot on the guitar. Okay. Camera four, can you zoom in on the snare drum or whatever they want to see on screen? And they QB that whole situation. Yep. Yep. So next monitor world, monitor world, uh, (laughs) predominantly almost always, unless it's just a limitation of space is on the side of the stage. And yeah, much like the front of house engineer is running sound for the audience and all of the things you hear out in front of the stage, the monitor engineer does the same job, but does that for the band. Because when you're on stage, you need to be able to hear what you're playing. And, you know, in club shows, that might be with wedges, which are the little smaller speakers that literally lay on the ground facing you. Uh, Mm -hmm. The bigger you get and progressively more common than it maybe was 10, 15 years ago are in-ears, which are Mm -hmm. quite literally specialized headphones that you just put in your ears and they cancel sound outside so that you can just hear what you need to hear in order to play your best. And the monitor and monitor engineer is the person that is mixing for every single individual person because the singer might not want tons and tons of drums in his mix because he wants to be able to hear himself sing. But you know, the bassist wants that kick drum like just pumping to make sure that he's staying locked in. So each individual player has a completely different mix. (coughs) Excuse me. And yeah, and what you yeah. hear in the audience is not what they hear in their ears necessarily mix-wise. Yep. I mean, they, it's the exact same music, but like what sounds good in the house doesn't necessarily sound good in your ears. Mm-hmm. And as you said, depending on the instrument and the specialization, you're going to want different things. Like a lead singer is going to want more of his voice. Bass player is going to want more kick drum. Yep. Yeah, and so they are the person. Uh, they also... In some places, that person might be doubling as a stage manager. They're kind of the other person that are f- are fielding a lot of the on-stage stuff. You mm-hmm. know, if uh, they're kind of a last line of defense usually, where, you know, if uh, a microphone falls down on the drum kit in the middle of a song, they're, mm-hmm. if you ever see that person that just runs out in the middle of the song, to f- like their head is centimeters from the kick drum, and you're like, what are they doing? you know, they are probably fixing a microphone or something because it fell out in the middle of a show and they are the person that's running out to make sure that it is back up as fast as possible. They're also usually the storage facility for anything you would need on stage. (laughs) Microphones, batteries, gaff tape, uh, it all generally lives at monitor world. Yes. If you're ever looking for stuff, and you're like, man, I wonder where I could find this. <laughs> That's a great place to start. Yep. 
That's it. Yeah. One thing I will say, too, before we move on, don't just take things from Monitor World. No. If you see Gaff lying around, make sure you ask the monitor engineer if you can borrow some. This is a huge, huge thing that will save you a lot of embarrassment in your career. If it's not yours, no matter where it's located in the venue, ask if you can use it. Nine times out of ten, they're going to be cool with you taking a strip of gaff tape. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, 10% of the time you might run into the a-holes who aren't cool with it, and so it's good that you asked. There's also the fact that there is no one that can mess up your world in the middle of a show more <laughs> yeah. than a monitor person. You know, That is accurate. And most of them are not vindictive people. Like it, it, I'm not saying that it is something that yeah. is common, but I, you'd have to be a real big jerk for a monitor engineer to jeopardize their job by purposefully giving you a bad mix. But if you're a big enough jerk, I have met a couple people that have been in uh, frustrating enough situations that they were like, if this is what we're doing, I would also, mm-hmm. uh, on the flip side of that, if you're super close and tight with your monitor engineer, they're probably going to mess with you a lot in your show. You're going to oh, yeah. hear a lot of random farts in your in-ears because they also have the power to talk to you that no one else can hear. Yep. <laughs> they, uh, I've, had, I've had some friends throw out some weird stuff in the middle of shows, <laughs> and you just kind of got to smile and keep playing because there's nothing you That's can do. It. That's one of the beauties of in-ears. I used to do that uh, with a talkback mic mm-hmm. behind the drum kit. And it's there to give direction uh, most of the time, but it is pretty fun every once in a while. Somebody's ripping a solo out on the catwalk, and you can just give them a hard time while they're out there, like having their moment, and you just bring them down a peg. Yeah. It's so much fun. It brings a lot of humility. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. So that's Monitor Engineers in Monitor World. Uh, Next on our list is the music director, a.k.a. MD, a.k.a. band director. A.k.a. band leader. <laughs> yeah. The titles go on. They're so, all the same person. A bunch of titles. It's the point man in your musical group, the person who ensures that everybody in the band is on the same, is on the same page. Uh, their job... So it varies. If you're working for an artist, usually that artist will nominate one person to be the MD for their band. So if the artist wants to add a cover song in their show, they'll talk to the MD, and then the MD will tell all the other band members what the cover song is, and then will delegate who is playing what parts in that song. It's It can be a very specific job. A good, a good MD is very attuned to the details of every song that the band plays and is aware of who is supposed to be playing what part in every single song. So a really effective music director is somebody who has an encyclopedic knowledge of every single note of music that's being played on that stage. If you're the guitar player and not the MD, then you really kind of only need to be worried about the guitar parts. Bass player only really need to be worried about the bass parts. But if you're the MD... You need to know every single thing that every single person is playing. Yep. So they get paid a little bit extra for that. They're also the person who organizes rehearsal and what's being rehearsed. And then at the same time, they're the person who is the 
point of contact for the band. Mm -hmm. Like if the band has issues, the first person they go to, if it's music related, is the MD. Mm -hmm. If it's tour related, they go to the TM. Yep. Honestly, so, couldn't have said it better myself. They That is who yeah. they are. And I just want to echo the the best ones. Even if they don't fully play every instrument, they have a pretty strong understanding of every instrument in the room. And they yeah. definitely are aware of what every person is supposed to be playing. Right. Uh, and they're the They also have to be the heavy sometimes if somebody isn't doing their job correctly. If they're not playing the right parts, the MD has to be the person to fix that. Yeah. They also, unfortunately, have to be the people to, to fire somebody if that person can't show up. Mm -hmm. But then they're the person to hire new people. Yep. So the MD has a, a, a very, a pretty large amount of power uh, over the music that the band is playing. Yep. And I, w I will say this, if uh, anybody out there listening thinks being an MD sounds glamorous and cool, it is the music version of being a tour manager. It's a thankless position. It is difficult, mm -hmm. and it is a lot of unpaid work. Mm -hmm. uh, I also will say, don't just my advice: don't be an MD for somebody whose music you don't absolutely love. Yeah, because you're going to know it real, real well. <laughs> you're going to spend a lot of time listening to their music, so you better enjoy it. Because if you don't, it's torture. Yep, <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. Next up, uh, I'm going to blanket say instrument tech. What this really ends up being is guitar tech, bass tech, drum tech. Uh, right. Insert your instrument tech. Yeah. Who are they, Tom? Crew guy. Crew. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They're they are they're your auto body shop on the road. Mm-hmm. They're they're the like let's just say in my position drum tech, my drum tech is somebody who uh, is my like right hand on the road. They're the person who changes my drum heads, cleans my cymbals, finds gets me new ones if they something breaks, fixes my drum kit, sets up my drum kit, tears it down, mics it up. Like they do everything in my world so that I just have to walk on stage, sit down and play. Now that sounds awesome, right? It takes a long time to get to a level where you have a tech, yep. especially a drum tech. The first person who's ever going to get a tech is the lead singer slash artist. And they're going to get somebody to come and put their acoustic guitar on for one song during the show, and they're going to come take it off. And they will get that long before you get a drum tech or a guitar tech of your own. And then generally what will happen is you'll get a full band tech. So you'll get a tech who is there for everybody, but what they end up doing is becoming mostly a guitar tech, mm -hmm. guitars and basses. And then just, it's just how it is. The drummer is usually the person left out because a drum tech is a very big position mm -hmm. and it's a lot of work. One tech can cover pretty much all the guitars, depending on how many you have on stage. They can retune and switch out guitars and basses mm -hmm. and change strings and do all of that effort for the most amount of people. Yeah. But a drum tech is a specific thing. So when you get super high, you have an individual tech for every person, mm -hmm. usually. Or at least you'll have one drum tech and then guitar techs on either side of the stage, depending on who's over there. Um, but it's basically the person who takes care of your gear, helps you, helps set you up for success, and is your go-to on the road for anything you need as it relates to your instrument. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, again, like all these other positions definitely, uh, come at scale. Cause the reality is if you're playing yeah. a club show, you know, and your guitarist might have two guitars, maybe. I don't think you need that if you're just playing a club show. But that's just me. I just play guitar. It's whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, the bigger you get, the bigger your production, the more you mm-hmm. have the resources to facilitate. Oh, no, I want to play this very specific guitar that sounds this specific way on this song and this song alone. Uh, you know, once you have six guitars and two or three acoustics that you are switching between every other song, that is when you have a person that's out there managing that and making sure that uh, the person that's performing doesn't have to think so that they can just focus on performing. You know, because at that level, there's so many pieces and you're bringing in people that are specialized at what they do. And the whole Mm -hmm. purpose is so that, cool, the guitarist can focus on playing great, putting on a great show. The drummer can focus Mm -hmm. on playing great, putting on a great show. All of the people, they don't need to be thinking every single song that they're playing. Oh, wait, what guitar am I bringing out for that next one? What tuning are we doing that in? Uh, what yeah. like all of those factors, and so that is really their purpose is to kind of take away the mental energy from that to where they just focus on yep. play this song, this song, and play it well and play it with energy so that people are excited mm-hmm. about it, and then they get done, and then whatever the guitar tech or you know whoever else tech is bringing over to them, you hand them mm-hmm. what you have, you take what you had, you put it in, and you just go for the next song and focus on play something really, really great. When, like when Foo Fighters play a show, the last thing Dave Grohl needs to worry about is if his guitar is in tune Mm -hmm. or if he has the right guitar for the song. That's why he pays somebody else to worry about that. So the only thing he has to worry about is remembering the lyrics and making sure he kills it. Taylor Hawkins doesn't need to worry about whether or not his kick drum head is six months old and the beater might go through Mm -hmm. it. He doesn't need to worry about if the snare is going to sound like crap. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he pays a drum tech to make sure his drum kit sounds amazing. So all he has to do is sit down and play. Yep. And it, when you get to a high level from the outside looking in, it may seem like, oh, these guys are so cared for. Well, the fact of the matter is there are so many moving pieces on that stage at that high of a level. A single person cannot competently wrangle all of that information and still be expected to perform at a high level at their craft. Yep. That is why they take that income and dispose it to other people to take that weight off of their minds. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, at that high of a level, your guitar tech might even be switching your pedals in different parts of a song. Where Because the reality is, if you're playing a club show and you're on a stage that's only 20 feet wide, there's really not a long way for anybody to go, uh, it doesn't really matter. If you're on a stage that's 100 feet wide and you have a catwalk that goes 200 feet into an arena... You know, if Dave Grohl is running out and all the way to the end of the catwalk to do a solo, he can't be back where his pedal board is to be like, oh, shoot, right. I need to turn on my overdrive and my delay so that I can rip this out real quick. You know, that's right. Because you want to go to a show and see something really, really cool and amazing. And you want the performance and the energy. And by mm-hmm. having the people that can facilitate those other details, he can focus on playing a really badass show. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that and you pay those people for that freedom. Yep. That's what it's for. And they're great people. 
when you get to the level you can have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as we make our way to the bottom of the touring totem pole, <laughs> we have the stagehands. The stagehands, also known as local crew. So the, the stagehands, yeah, <laughs> the stagehands are usually, well, they're people who live local to the venue. And this is usually a side gig for them, or it's a gig they do that is, they don't work for your band. They work for whatever band comes through town and plays or works at any given venue. They don't necessarily just work at this venue. Uh, but they're the people who, your production manager, your tour manager, your, your instrument techs, your front of house engineer, your lighting director, all of those people are going to give direction to local crew for unloading and loading, unpacking and packing your entire rig that it takes to put on the concert. So in early in the morning, your, your buses and your trucks, well, usually your trucks will get there before your buses. Your trucks show up, they back up to the loading dock. Local hands are there, ready to go. Your production manager usually travels with on the crew bus, so your production manager will unload and start giving direction to local hands on what goes where, what comes off, where goes stage left, does it go stage right, does it go to front of house, does it stay back in video world, where does it go? Then you you will have your the rest of your crew come out and take control of their individual areas, and they will direct any given hands that are assigned to them to unpack and set up. Then at the end of the night, sometimes the same crew, sometimes different local hands will be there to break it all back down, pack up individual stations, and then your production manager will navigate it all, getting back onto the trucks. The trucks will leave and do it all again the next day somewhere else with a different set of local crew. Usually the local crew is comprised of people who are union members and work on a very specific schedule. Mm-hmm. I know because I hear a lot of production managers, managers complain about how the Teamsters can't work until noon or whatever, but that's how it goes. It's people who... Basically, want to be part of the concert business, live locally, and want to make a buck unloading stuff. It's a, it's not a bad gig. Yeah, it, you know, in not even in a negative way, but they're people that don't typically have a super specialized skill in the production world, where mm-hmm. they are doing a lot of the unsexy, just legwork that has to happen. You know, they're mm-hmm. never going to touch Dave Grohl's guitar. They're probably never going to right. see it. You know any closer than a person yeah. in the audience. Uh, right. But but they will unload the case that has Dave Grohl's guitars. Absolutely. The unglamorous stuff of just pushing cases, laying hundreds mm-hmm. of feet of cable that have to happen in order for everything to work, just the grunt work, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's definitely <laughs> probably the group of people on a tour stop that have the highest disparity of can be amazing or can be not <laughs> yeah. amazing depending on yeah. who shows up and how experienced mm-hmm. they are but they you know really are an important piece especially at that level and especially when you get guys and girls that come in and work hard and are excited to be a part of the process uh they really do work hard at the unsexy part of touring that's right uh that's pretty much it I will say I, I thought about it just to mention. Uh, so if you've never played a show before, you've never been in a drama class in high school, you've never been on stage, and you're gearing up, you're like, Vance, Tom, my band's doing it, we're playing our first show. 
couple little key things to also keep you uh, from sounding like it's your first time. If you didn't know, if you've ever heard the term stage left and stage right and wasn't sure what that meant, uh, it is often every single day on a live show used in conversation. That is uh, from the perspective of standing on stage looking outward. So if you are standing on the stage looking out, to your left is stage left, and to your right is stage right. That's right. Not to be confused with house left and house right, (laughs) which is if you are living at front of house, staring at the stage. Seemed like a simple thing, but I just felt like I wanted to make sure the kids know. No, it's important. This is 101, man. That's why we're here. Yep. But yeah, I mean, those are essentially all of uh, the main folks and people. It's not... That's it, man. Yeah. Those are the ones you'll see on a regular basis. Yeah. Not sexy, but useful information and learn from our experience and our... I hope that people learn from our experience and learn from our mistakes and not make some of the same, same mistakes we have with, you know, not knowing what's going on. So now, hopefully, if you've watched this episode and listened, you can go do a show and uh, you'll know who everybody is. Yeah, or maybe even if you listen and you want to be in the music world, but maybe you don't care so much about playing and you've always been like, man, I wonder who controls the lights and where do I even start on that? Now mm-hmm. you know who to go Google or look for to ask if you can just come hang out and learn stuff and be a helping hand yeah. so that one day you might be able to be that person on tour. That's exactly right. Yeah. But I think that's all I've got for the touring crew. Me too. That's it, man. We love you guys, and we will see yeah. you next week. Thanks pew, for watching pew, and listening. Pew, 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 pew.